0: Five, four, three, two, one, zero, ignition, lift off. Look at them, madam. Have you ever in your entire life seen anything so
1: beautiful? I'm sorry, I don't know anything about stamps.
2: live from the United Nations where they sell unpaid parking tickets as kiloware this is the award winning stamp show here today episode number 270 brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Center a non-profit 501c3 corporation for the advancement of philately
3: you just totally blew away part of my intro
2: this is Tom
3: this this is a disgruntled cash
1: this is a happy scott <laughs> this is
2: Mark this is Albert
3: this is Becca.
1: This is Tony.
2: I told you it made no sense. <laughs> Shout out to Dan W. in Iowa. Thank you for the gift and hope all is well with the tornado. Yeah, they had a big tornado in uh, Iowa. And
3: and just as a trivia question, what is the tornado capital of the world?
2: Kansas? Can I, can I get a where?
3: <laughs> yeah, where? Where is... Where is the tornado capital of the world? And it isn't Kansas. What? Oklahoma. Nope. Nope. Texas. Nope. It's England. It's along Hadrian's Wall between uh, Scotland and England. They have more tornadoes there than any place else in the world. Uh, They are smaller, but they are larger in number. Hmm.
0: what they should do is they should build a lot of houses there so we hear about it.
3: Oh, yeah. They move some trailer parks up yeah. there. Yeah. Some Scottish there trailer I parks. I was there last November at Haytranswall. Wall. Did you see any tornadoes? No, I didn't get blown away. Did you uh, protect yourself from any invading picks? Of course. <laughs>
2: Also, shout-outs to new members, Barry G. from Texas, Peter E. in North Carolina, and Casey M. in Nashville, who said, P.S., I joined the APS at Cash's Insistence and Badgering. Good, good.
3: If I can badger everybody into joining the APS, you will be better off for it. The APS should be a mandatory uh, requirement for stamp collectors.
2: Well, we do get mail. From the aforementioned Casey in Nashville. For United Nations stamps, does the UN offer cancelling or mailing service for individuals that can't visit them physically? From unstamps.org, which is the United Nations site, postal site, I'm taking it. Yes. UNPA sales counter and personalized stamp shop in New York. Located on the concourse level of the General Assembly Building, the counter is open Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. The U.N. compound gates close to visitors at 4.45 p.m., and we encourage visitors to arrive early. The U.N. limits the mail as United Nations stamps in the appropriate currency. Are only valid for postage when used on mail at certain United Nations offices. Hold on. That makes no sense. Yeah, that makes no sense.
3: That's from their website. It was probably uh, written by the ambassador from Senegal.
2: The three facilities that accept these stamps are the UNPA offices at the United Nations headquarters, the Palais des Nations, and Vienna International Center. Also, on September fourth, two 2007, the UNPA posted one new rule limiting the mailings it will accept. Express mail and Priority Mail are no longer available to the public, and mailings from the public are limited to one hundred pieces. The UNPA stated the reason for this is that it is was the UNPA stated that the reason for this is that it was not established to provide all postal services and that its primary function was to issue stamps for philatelic purposes.
3: Well, they they came right out there and said that.
1: Wow, let's see. It's meaning, <clears throat> meaning you're supposed to collect them and not use them, so they can
0: just keep your money. So yeah. So that means that it should be an APS black blot completely.
3: It, it, by their own words, right. yeah. All they have to do is say, "Go to the website and look what they're doing."
0: Yeah, it's actually a, a protest against the APS because the APS is stamps.org and they're unstamps.org. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: So yeah, you can uh, mail stuff to them and they will cancel and forward and uh, do whatever. And uh, so that will, that's the answer to your question. They will do this stuff for you. You just have to send your items to them. However, uh, they are not very cordial in doing it. I've seen a lot of uh, emails where things have taken several months to get back, or they never got it back at all. So.
2: Well, speaking of months, the mail order delays. Because of, ongoing, because of the ongoing heightened security measured at the United Nations, all incoming mail received at the United Nations headquarters is subject to increased screening and processing. Incoming mail and orders addressed to the United Nations Postal Administration have also been affected by these delays. On average, it takes approximately two to three weeks from the time an article is posted for it to reach UNPA. Consequently, some customers have experienced delays in receiving their orders. Many customers have been flooding the phone lines with inquiries about their orders. Please be assured that we are doing our best at UNPA to process your orders as quickly as possible. We ask for your patience and understanding in this regard, as unfortunately we cannot avoid these security issues.
3: It's interesting they say security issues. I wonder how much of this has to do with COVID and how much of it has to do with. Because I just pulled this on the website, uh, you know, a couple of days ago when I was writing this. So I'm I'm curious how much of it is, let's say fear, and how much of it is the virus.
2: How much of it is people sending envelopes filled with little bits of white powder? or how much of it is
3: uh, people sending letters saying, you guys suck, (laughs) you know, whatever.
2: Collectors can also obtain UN stamps from a number of distributors around the world. These include Argentina, Australia, Botswana, Brazil, Hong Kong, the Arab Republic of Egypt, Israel, Japan, Uganda, Pakistan, New Zealand, People's Republic of China, Singapore, China National Philatelic Corporation.
3: Yeah, so these are other places that you can get things canceled or handback service or the like. Uh, It's kind of weird, though, because, you know, then you have to go to these places. And it's interesting that, uh, you know, (laughs) New Zealand, I wonder why they have one in New Zealand and Australia, sort of things like that. Very interesting, the scattering of these post offices across the world.
2: They also issued a controversial stamp. In 1981, interest began to diminish after controversy erupted concerning the UNPA's issuance of stamps for the, quote, inalienable rights of the Palestinian people, end quote. The proposal for issuance and the issuance itself was extensively and critically covered by the New York Times and by Lynn Stamp News. The 15-cent denomination became the first UNPA stamp since 1954 to sell fewer than a million copies when more than a million were printed. By 1983, many more stamps were selling fewer than a million copies, though sales of Vienna stamps remained strong. In 1986, the souvenir sheet for the World Federation of United Nations Associations became the first issue in UNPA history to sell fewer than a half million copies where at least that many were printed. Yeah,
3: yeah, I think this is interesting, and I put it in here because there's a political aspect plus the non-use of the stamps. I mean, for a while, they sort of said, don't use them at all, and now they have the rule for 100 pieces. And I kind of think that, you know, if the United Nations is selling stamps, then they sort of have to remove the politics from it, you know, they, they should be doing, you know, what other countries do and look for topics that aren't controversial, that aren't going to turn off buyers. And uh, kind of... Like global warming? Who put... Did they put out a global warming stamp? All the time. Oh, you're right. You're right. They put out a couple of them. Yeah. But it is interesting <laughs> that the Vienna post office hasn't suffered like the New York one. I guess Europeans are more collector friendly. I actually did a little bit of research. I went and looked, and around the same time that stamp came out is when the U.N. lost popularity among Americans. Yeah. Kind of not a surprise. The
1: U.S. started uh, releasing a lot of stamps then also. Perhaps a lot of it was, I think, U.N. stamps or something in addition to U.S. stamps that a lot of collectors had. And when you had to keep up with all the. US issues, maybe they fell behind on the UN or gave up.
3: Could be except there that could be the case. and UN stamps are collected worldwide though instead of just US wide. So they have a larger market and they're selling far more fewer stamps. There's something else going on there. I'm not sure what it is, but, it, the United Nations Postal Administration has uh, gotten sort of a black eye, especially when you can buy U.N. stamps for like 10% of face. You know, they really hurt.
1: There used to be a dealer that bought and sold these, and he, before the Internet, this is just what I've heard, uh, in the 60s and 70s, he would send out your show, you um, Flyers through the U.N.
3: I think that uh, Albert, who was the one that uh, sent out their auction catalogs through the U.N.? Caller. Also Jacques Schiff.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank
3: you. Yeah. So they were getting used. And at that time period, um, that was kind of like the height because people were getting U.N. stamps. Now, I think nobody gets any U.N. stamps on their mail. That's the biggie.
0: Well, wasn't it a couple of years ago in a uh, in a sale in uh, New York or in uh, in that area that uh, one of the big stamp dealers tried to sell their entire stock of uh, UN stamps, which was like two and a half million dollars, but it didn't get a bid of over over a hundred thousand dollars? Wow! Because you can't you can't use it for what it was printed for for postage. Yeah. So you think that decision to demonetize their stamps has hurt their future sales?
3: I think that when you give people a reason not to collect your item, and I go back to Beanie Babies. If you, if, if you want to see the rise and fall of a collecting interest, watch the Beanie Babies. But I think that the same thing sort of occurred with Vatican I think that Israel had the same thing occur in the 1970s, and then they recovered from it because they're an actual country. And uh, I think that if you give people a reason not to collect your stuff, they won't. And I think the UN is giving people reasons not to collect their stuff.
2: Well, in 2003, the United Nations Postal Administration began issuing personalized sheets for New York. These sheets have 10 or 20 stamps and a large decorative border with a tab to the right of each stamp. Visitors to the UN building in New York can go to a kiosk where a personal picture can be printed onto a sheet with blank tabs. Most personalized sheets are produced for stamp shows and specific UN events with related designs already printed on the tabs. Truly personalized sheets rarely reach the secondary market. The UN post offices in Geneva and Vienna began offering this type of sheet in 2009. Two sheets were produced in 2007 and two in 2008, denominated in Euros. The editors of the Scott catalog question whether they were ever actually sold at the UN post office in Vienna a primary criterion for recognizing them as legitimate postal issues. The Scott catalog lists them as footnotes without assigning catalog numbers.
3: Yeah, I remember the uh, ASDA did this, and they had these stamps. And it's also interesting because now they uh, just recently outlawed um, stamps.com and things doing personalized stamps. So I'm curious as to... Whether these will weather the sort of political climate right now, you know, are people printing stuff that's going to hurt the United Nations demand on these stamps?
0: I was asked; somebody wanted me to give a talk on expertizing, so I I wanted to talk more about what makes us expertize stamps. So cool. Well,
3: why don't you? Uh, that sounds like a great intro.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well all of us all of us remember when we started collecting stamps usually it was a relative that started started us off started us off in my case it was my mom and she had an old scott scott album that with stamps it was one of the few things that she brought from china in 1948 um, my uh, grandfather was the founder of the chinese uh, bureau of standards and so he got mail from all over the world and so that album was filled up i still have the album so as I started to expand and buy stamps um, through various dealers, I found out that uh, um, I, was, I was a real pigeon. And the first $500 that I spent at stamp stores, you probably could get for about $10 now. I was told that straight edges were more valuable than, perfor- than perforations all the way around. I was sold modern plate blocks. Um, it was terrible. But... Uh, uh, when I was 16, I went to a stamp store and, and bought the first stamp of an area that I've collected all the rest of my life, which is the stamps from the island of Guam. I bought a palm tree stamp, which is Scott number M4, used on a cover from 1930. It was a commercial. It was a commercial letter, and I bought it from a little dealer in the San Fernando Valley. It was my birthday present. So I started. To, so when I was 15 years old. Um, my mom took me to a stamp auction, and I bought a couple of—I bought uh, North american blocks, and I bought the Hawaii overprint blocks, and I broke them up and started to run them in, in bid boards all around the valley. So so when we talk about why we start to—why ex- why do you want to get something expertized? Well, when I was 18, I purchased some Guam overprints from a major New York auction company. The auction was—they had over 4,000 lots, and I bought— a half a dozen lots for $300 and it was uh, it was very it was money that was made at the time at uh, 2 or 4 dollars an hour for me so i really valued these stamps but 2 years later i was told to get them authenticated and i found out that one of the stamps had a fake overprint and all of them were had been regummed so i was very very disappointed so when we talk about why we expertize I would say the first reason is to make sure that you get your money's worth, what you're getting, to make sure that your collection is filled with genuine stamps and not not counterfeits. Um, It's also proof proof in case you have insurance and you have a loss, whether it's from flood or fire or theft. Um, And you also want somebody else to look at it, somebody unbiased to determine whether the stamp is unused or used, whether it's sound or defective, if it's an overprinted stamp, whether it's genuine. But... I think that all of us as collectors, we become really, we concentrate once we start. We get stamps that have come back bad. Um, when I first started to collect Franklin Washington heads, somebody sold me a five nineteen, which is the uh, nineteen seventeen stamp that was uh, perf eleven with a double line watermark that was uh, printed primarily because the United States Automatic Vending Company in New York went out of business and they had over they had over a million of the uh, the 1909 uh, two-cent double-line watermark and perforate that they made private vending coils out of. And so as part of the bankruptcy, uh, it was a bankruptcy asset. So the stamps were given back to the government and they they, uh, perforated it with the current Perf 11 pin. But it happens to be one of the scarcer stamps and one of the most counterfeited stamps. So, luckily, by that time, with that experience, I started to, to send stamps in for authentication. And I recommend anybody who's, uh, especially right now, when we have this COVID virus time, this is an excellent time to see if that stamp that that you have in your album that you're not sure if it's good, it's now it's a good time to send to send it in and get it authenticated. So, uh, for instance, in 519s, since I uh, ha- I've had that experience. I've since bought an off-centered block uh, with a certificate, and also I have an off-centered stamp on a piece with a New York 1917 cancel. So, some stamps, they may be very inexpensive in the catalog, need certificates no matter what, especially some of the flat press coils like Scott number 442, 443, 444, and also some of the perf 8.5 coils, so 410, 11, 12, and 13. Um, it's, uh, it's a real story when, when people talk about people who used to make counterfeits of those, uh, those stamps and would, would sell them, sell them uh, um, at the New York shows. Um, the genuine stamps are much, scarce, are much scarcer than the, uh, the number of counterfeits of those particular stamps.
1: Well, un- unfortunately, there exist people that will try to take advantage of uh, less knowledgeable people like that. And unfortunately, collectors can be a little too trusting sometimes. So absolutely, that's one of the items that should be have a certificate. And a lot another thing is a lot of times the catalog will have a, a small note underneath the listing that says, this should be purchased or sold with a certificate. And also sometimes it will mention that counterfeits are numerous. Those are both indications that you should have a certificate if you're going to put that in your collection
0: well anything that's made with a rubber stamp like uh, the first issue of canal zone canal zone one to three um that over that canal zone overprint was applied with a rubber stamp every every one of them needs a certificate um i had a i had a british dealer come up to me in uh, 1980 at the london show and ask uh, asked me who this, who this person Chang was, and I, I said, I'm that guy, and he said, how could this stuff be genuine? My dad bought all of this stuff when it came out, and I said, they made counterfeits simultaneously as the genuine ones, and you actually see counterfeits on cover from, us- from the usage period, and that's also true with uh, some of the other U.S. overprints, like the uh, Cuban port principes and... Uh, um, some of the uh, provisional issues of Puerto Rico. There were counterfeits that were made at the time that the genuine sponsor came out. So um, I'm, I would encourage anybody right now to, to get those questionable items out and, and, and submit them because it's a good time. You've been looking at your collections now. We have a lot of extra time, no matter who you are, because of the COVID virus pandemic and so uh, since we're indoors a lot why not find out if that item in your collection is really what it's supposed to be
2: well we are out of time so we're not going to be able to discuss postal stationary paper colors again
0: ah dang
2: this is becoming a fad <laughs> please accept cash's apology
3: my heartfelt apology
2: uh-huh <laughs> until next time we need your help Nothing on the Internet is free, including our phone and Internet connections. You can support the podcast by joining the Stamp Show Here Today Club. Cost is $10 for a lifetime membership. Please include your APS member number as we are an APS-affiliated club. Your support is greatly appreciated. Our address is P.O. Box 539-309, Henderson, Nevada, 89053. You've been listening to Stamp Show Here Today, episode number 270. It's a milestone, five at a a time, right? (laughs) This was
3: Tom. This was Cash. (laughs) This was Scott. This was Mark. This was Albert.
1: This was Becca. This is Tony.
2: You have been listening to Stamp Show Here Today, seeking to advance all levels of the stamp collecting hobby through news, information, and collecting advice. Visit us at stampshowheretoday.com to listen to the show, view images of the items we are talking about, and read the show notes. You can also continue the conversation on Facebook at Stamp Show Here Today and on Twitter at Stamp Show HT. If you have questions or comments about the show or have any topics you would like us to discuss, you can email us at Today at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and as always, keep collecting.
3: collecting happens when we dream together.